WNYC Studios is supported by Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, it's Latte from Radio Lab. Our goal with each episode is to make you think, how did I live this long and not know that? Radio Lab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Listen wherever you get podcasts. Good evening, and welcome to NYC Now. I'm Janae Pierre for WNYC. Yellow taxis and Ubers in New York City will finally get the chance to share a lane. Users will notice that the rideshare giant is now automatically sending traditional taxis to customers if the cab is closer than an Uber. The company says this new protocol will save riders time waiting for a car and could save everyone some money once congestion pricing goes into effect. Both taxis and Ubers are looking for exemptions to the plan, which will toll drivers entering Manhattan below 60th Street. If the Taxi and Limousine Commission grants one for taxis but not rideshares, yellow cabs could become the cheaper option. On Manhattan's Lower East Side, home health care workers protested outside the State Department of Labor's headquarters earlier this week. WNYC's Caroline Lewis explains why. A group of home health aides filed a lawsuit against Labor Department Commissioner Roberta Reardon last week for declining to continue investigating their complaints of wage theft. New York law allows home care workers to be paid for just 13 hours of a 24-hour shift in a client's home. But many workers have filed complaints with the Labor Department, saying they don't get paid extra if they miss out on the sleep and meal breaks they're entitled to. State officials say they are no longer investigating these complaints because of special clauses included in the workers' contracts with their employers that say wage theft disputes should be handled through private arbitration. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. That's Adan, or the Muslim call to prayer. And you may hear more of it under new NYPD rules. In many Muslim-majority countries and communities, mosques broadcast it five times a day. Up until now, New York City has required a permit to play the call to prayer on loudspeakers. Now the city is allowing mosques to broadcast the Adhan every Friday from 12.30 to 1.30 in the afternoon, and every evening during Ramadan. Friday, or Juma is a sacred day in the Muslim week. Mayor Eric Adams says the change will mean a lot to Muslim New Yorkers. Many of us may know the call to prayer as the Adan, as a chant that is played for one to two minutes on Fridays. But for our Muslim brothers and sisters, uh, it is so much more than that. An estimated 450,000 Muslims live in New York City. Stay close. There's more after the break. Everybody's got a story about a piece of music. I thought this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. It's about pure 
experience, pure connection, pure joy. This song allowed me to survive. I'm Terrence McKnight with a new season of The Open Ears Project. Every Monday in under 20 minutes, you'll hear a different guest share their story. So you can start your week on the right note. Listen wherever you get podcasts. Each week, members of New York City's Tibetan community dress up in traditional clothing, converge on a playground in Elmhurst, Queens, and dance until dark. But the event is more than just an evening of fun. It's also part of a worldwide campaign of cultural resistance. WNYC's Arun Venegapal has more. By about 8 o'clock on a recent Wednesday night, a corner of Moore Homestead Playground in Elmhurst was crammed with members of the city's Tibetan community. Little kids, teenagers, adults, even seniors. There are about 80 of them, drawn from the estimated 9,000 Tibetans who live in the city and who've especially been settling in this part of Queens. Right now, they're lined up in concentric circles, and they're all dancing. This dancing specifically is called Gorshe. One of the dancers is Seta Namdol, a student at American University who was born and raised in Queens. For me, Gorshe means everything. We don't have a country, so Gorshe really brings us all together. The same dance takes place on the same day of the week in Paris, Toronto, New Delhi, and other centers of the Tibetan diaspora worldwide. Dancers pick up moves from Tibetans in other cities from clips on YouTube and TikTok. And more than just fun, community members say what they're doing is actively engaging in resistance against the Chinese occupation of Tibet, which took place in the 1950s. For years, these protests were dominated by Hollywood celebrities like Richard Gere. In 1993, he spoke out against the occupation at the Academy Awards. If something miraculous and really kind of movie-like could happen here, where we could all kind of send love and, and truth and a kind of sanity to Deng Xiaoping right now in Beijing, that he will take his troops and take the Chinese away from Tibet and allow these people to live as free, independent people again. But that sort of celebrity activism has largely faded. In its wake, another movement has bubbled up within the Tibetan diaspora. Topchor Sultrim of Students for a Free Tibet says the movement is called Lakhar, or White Wednesday. Wednesday is an auspicious day for the Dalai Lama, the spiritual leader for many Tibetan people and an enemy of the Chinese state. What it is, is it's a form of uh, resistance here in exile. Specifically cultural resistance, a reassertion of Tibetan identity, whether that's in the form of eating Tibetan food, speaking the Tibetan language, or dancing gorshe. Like many of the other dancers, Chemi Lamo came dressed in a chupa, the traditional Tibetan dress worn by men and women. One of her favorite Gorshe songs is called Yudang Sangha Shikshik. She says it speaks of the beautiful, sentient beings that live on the Tibetan plateau and prompts dancers to mimic the movements of birds and fishes. So many of the songs remind us of our home. Lamo has never actually been to Tibet. But as an activist who's spoken out in support of the Tibetan cause, she's been harassed and threatened online by pro-Chinese voices, to the extent that she's cut off all communication with her loved ones in Tibet to keep them safe. 
Topchor Sultrim of Students for a Free Tibet says the state of exile forces many people in the diaspora to be politicized. You can't talk to Tibetan people for very long uh, without hearing the, the common adage that all Tibetans are, are born activists. Which is why he says Gorshe is more than just dance. Those simple acts of joy, those simple acts of engaging with your community back in Tibet um, have, been, have been very intentionally criminalized by the Chinese government in their efforts um, to kill Tibetan culture and, and the Tibetan people at, at its very root. Today, Tibet is among the world's most politically repressed places. And outside of Tibet, human rights groups say China conducts surveillance wherever there are Tibetans speaking out against the occupation. Chemi Lamo says it's almost certain Elmhurst Gorshe has come under surveillance. But she says the dance goes on because the community doesn't run on fear. So for us in exile, uh, I think it's our utmost right to be able to practice uh, uh, the freedom that we have and continue fighting for our homelands so that one day we can all return. That's WNYC's Arun Venegopal. Thanks for listening to NYC Now from WNYC. Catch us every weekday, three times a day. We'll be back tomorrow.